0: Section 17 of A Year Amongst the Persians by Edward Granville-Brown This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For further information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org A Year Amongst the Persians by Edward Granville-Brown Chapter 7 From Tehran to Isfahan Part three, and now just outside the walls surrounding the telegraph office rose a prolonged and dismal howl, followed by another and yet another. While from the city, like an answer, came back the barking of the dogs. Are those jackals howling outside? I asked, and do they come so close to the town? Yes, answered the khan, they always do so and the dogs always answer them thus do you know why once upon a time the jackals used to live in the towns just as the dogs do now while the latter dwelt outside in the desert now the dogs thought it would be much nicer to be in the town where they would be sheltered from the inclemency of the weather and would have plenty to eat instead of often having to go without food for a long time so they sent one of their numbers to the jackals with the following message some amongst us they said are ill and our physicians say that what they need is change of air and that they ought if possible to spend three days in the town now it is clearly impossible for us dogs and you jackals to be in one place at the same time so we would ask you to change places with us for three days only and to let us take up our quarters in the city while you retire into the desert the air of which will doubtless prove very beneficial to you also to this proposition the jackals agreed and during the following night the exchange was effected in the morning when the people of the city woke up they found a dog wherever there had been a jackal on the previous night on the third night the jackals being quite tired of the desert came back to the gates of the town filled with pleasant anticipations of resuming their luxurious city life but the dogs being very comfortable in their new quarters were in no hurry to quit them so after waiting some time the jackals called out to the dogs "Na, are your sick ones well yet ending up with a whine rising and falling in cadence just such as you heard a minute ago and as mirza abdullah who is a native of isfahan will tell you just such as you may hear any day in the mouth of an isfahani or a yezdi but the dogs who are turks and speak turkish only answered "Yoch, Yoch," no no and so the poor jackals had to go back into the desert and ever since then they come back at night and hail the dogs with the same question as you heard them do just now and the dogs always give the same reply for they have no wish to go back to the desert and that is why the jackals come and howl round the town after dusk and why the dogs always answer them at this point our host interrupted the conversation to tell us that supper was ready supper exclaimed the khan who had already commenced another story. "'Supper, indeed! Am I to have my stories cut short and spoiled by supper?' "'No, I shall not go on with what I was saying, even though you do beg my pardon. But I will forgive you, provided always that you ask an English pardon, and not a Persian pardon.' "'What do you mean by a Persian pardon?' I asked. "'Please explain the expression.' no i shall keep my word and tell you no more stories tonight answered the khan i have told you plenty already and you will probably forget them all and me too now you will remember me much better as having refused to satisfy your curiosity on this one point and whenever you hear the expression pardomirani so he pronounced it you will think of mirza hussein khan of kashan after supper we had some songs accompanied on the sitar all present except myself being something of musicians and thus the evening passed pleasantly till the guests announced that they must depart and i was astonished to find that it was close on midnight and high time to retire for the night next day 16th of february our road continued to skirt the plain for some twelve or fifteen miles and then turned to the right into the mountains we at first ascended along a river bed down which trickled a comparatively small quantity of water i was surprised to see that a number of dams had been constructed to divert the water from its channel and make it flow over portions of the bank whence it returned charged with mud on asking the reason of this strange procedure i was informed that it was done to prevent the water evaporating as muddy water evaporates less readily than that which is clear on ascending somewhat higher we came to a place where there was a smooth rather deep oblong depression in the face of the rock inside this as well as on the ground beneath were heaps of small stones and pebbles while in every cranny and chink of the cliff around and below this spot were planted little bits of stick decorated with rags of divers colours placed there by pious passers-by as we came up to this place khudabakhsh the muleteer who was a few paces in front sprang up towards the depression shouting ya ali and drew his hand down it thus affording an indication of the manner in which the wonderful smoothness of its walls had been produced he then informed us that the depression in question was the mark left by the hoof of ali's steed Duldul, and that there were only two or three more such in the whole of persia near the village of gez he added there was the mark of ali's hand in the rock haji safar on learning these facts added his quota of pebbles to those already collected on the slope proceeding onwards through very fine scenery we suddenly came upon a mighty wall of rock wherewith the channel of the stream was barred and beyond this a vast sheet of water formed by the damming up of the watercourse this splendid half-natural reservoir which serves to keep the city of kashon well supplied with water during the hot dry summer was constructed like so many other useful and beneficial public works during the period of prosperity which persia enjoyed under the Safavi kings and is known as Kohrud. winding round the right side of this great lake we presently began to see around us abundant signs of cultivation plantations of trees orchards and fields laid out in curious steps for purposes of irrigation and already green with sprouting corn soon we entered tortuous lanes enclosed by stout walls of stone and overshadowed by trees and after traversing these for some distance we arrived at the village of javinan the strange-looking inhabitants of which came out to see us pass the women for the most part wore green shawls and did not cover their faces as we passed we could hear them conversing in the curious dialect incomprehensible to the ordinary persian of which i shall have to speak directly about a mile farther on we came to the village of kohrud where the chapar post-house being occupied we found quarters at the house of a seyyid who appeared to be one of the chief men of the village i had already heard from general hutum Schindler, who possesses probably more knowledge about the geography, ethnology, and local dialects of Persia than any man living, of the curious dialect spoken in and around Kohrud and Natan. And, anxious to acquire further information about it, I mentioned the matter to my host, who at once volunteered to bring in two or three of the people of the place to converse with me, Accordingly, as soon as I had had tea, a man and his son came in, and, bowing ceremoniously, took their seats by the door. I first asked them as to the distribution of their dialect, and the extent of the area over which it was spoken. They replied that it was spoken, with slight variations, in about a dozen or fifteen villages round about, extending on the one hand to the little town of Natanz, in the valley to the east, and on the other to the mountain village of Kamsar. Of its age, history, and relations, they knew nothing definite, merely characterising it as Fursi Kadim, ancient Persian. From what I subsequently learnt, I infer that it forms one branch of a dialect or language spoken with greater or less variations over a large portion of Persia. With the dialect of Natans it seems almost identical, so far as I can judge, from a comparison of the specimen of that vernacular, consisting of some thirty words, given by Polak, with my own collection of Kochud words. With the so-called Dari language of the Zoroastrians of Yezd and Kirman, it has also close affinities, and it would also seem to be near akin to the dialect spoken about Sivonde three stages north of Shiraz. The relations of these dialects to one another and to the languages of ancient Persia have not yet been fully worked out, though excellent monographs on several of them exist, and the quatrains of the celebrated Babatahir, Tahir, the Lur, have been published with translation and notes by M. Clement Houard it would be out of place here to discuss the philological bearings of this question and i will merely observe that the wide distribution of these kindred dialects and the universal tradition of their age alike point to something more than a merely local origin i now for the first time realized the difficulty of obtaining precise information from uneducated people with regard to their language in particular it was most difficult to get them to give me the different parts of the verbs i would ask for example how would you say i am ill they gave me a sentence which i wrote down then i asked now what is thou art ill they repeated the same sentence that can't be right i said they can't both be the same yes that is right they answered if we want to say thou art ill we just say what we have told you well but suppose you were ill yourself what would you say oh then we should say so and so this readiness in misapprehending one's meaning and reversing what one had said gave rise to one class of difficulties another class arose from the extreme simplicity of the people For instance, after asking them the words for a number of common objects in their language, I asked, And what do you call city? Kashon, they replied. Nonsense, I said. Kashon is the name of a particular city. What do you call cities in general? No, they said, it is quite right. In Persian you say, Shahr Miravam. I am going to the city. We say, Kashan Miravam. It is all the same. It was useless to argue or to point out that there were many other cities in the world beside Kashan. To these simple-minded folk, Kashan remained the city par excellence, and they could not see what one wanted with any other. Finally, I had to give up the struggle in despair, and to this day I do not know whether the Kohrudi dialect possesses a general term for city or not i here append a list of words and expressions which i took down during the short opportunity i had for studying the kohrud dialect as i am not aware that anything has been published on that particular branch of what m Uar called pehlevi Musulman. for the sake of comparison i place in parallel columns the equivalents in the natanz dialect given by polak and those of the so-called Dari of yezd Given by General Schindler and Justi, the transcription of these latter I have only altered so far as appeared necessary to convey the proper pronunciation to the English reader, e.g., in substituting the English y for the German j. Columns English, Persian, Kohrudi, Natanzi, Dari of Yezd, Father, Pidar, Baba. Per Pedar, Schindler. Baba, Bab, Babu, Justi, Baug, Schindler. Mother, Madar, Mune, Mune, Polak. Mar, Ma, Mer, Schindler. Memu, Justi. Brother, Biradar, Dadu, berar, Schindler. Dadar. Old, duhar, justi, son, pisar, pura, pura, polak, pur, justi, pur, old, porer, sindla. Daughter, duhtar, duta, duta, polak, dute, justi, dut, duter, doter shindla. Child, Bacha Vacha Vacha, Schindler and Justi. Woman, Zan. Jana, Jena. Polak, Jen, Jenuk, Schindler. House, Chane, Kiya. kee, Polak, Kede, Keda, Schindler. Kede, Chada, Justi. Door, Dar, Bar, Bar, Schindler and Justi. Wood, Chub, Chuga, Chu, Schindler, Tree, Diracht, Diracht, Justy and Schindler, Bun, bana, Bena, Water, Ab, O, Au, Polak, Vuv, Beresin, quoted by Yusti Vo, Yezd, O, Kirman, Fire, Atash, Atash Tash Justi and Schindler Apple Sib So Suv Justi Garden Raz Equals Vine Raz 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 Equals Vine Schindler Night Shab shuye, Sho Justi and Schindler Bird Karge Karge Polak Dog Sag Ispa, saba, Schindler, Seva, Justi, Cat, Gurba, Malgi, Mulgin, Polak, Mali, Schindler, Snow, Barf, vafra, Vabr Beresene, quoted by Justi, today, Imruz, Iru, Emru, Justi, yesterday, Diruz, Ize, Heze, Schindler, tomorrow, Ferda hia, arda Schindler, begone birao Bashi Bashi vesho Schindler, bishao. From this example of the Kohrud dialect, it will be seen that the following are some of its chief peculiarities, so far as generalizations can be drawn from so small a vocabulary: one, preservation of archaic forms, e.g., pur ispa vafra zend vafra etc Two change of b into v e.g. vatya persian bacha valg persian barg leaf but this change does not go so far as in some other dialects b for instance being preserved in the prefix to the imperative as in bashe persian bisho Yezdi Vesho. the change of shab Persian into shaw or shaw yezdi and shuye kohrudi of sib Persian into suv yezdi and so kohrudi and of ab Persian into o kohrudi and kirmani and vo yezdi is doubtless to be accounted for in this way three r standing before a consonant in a persian word often stands after it in the kohrud dialect e.g. vafra, Persian barf, sometimes its place is taken by L, e.g. valg, Persian barg. 4. G is sometimes replaced by V, e.g. varg, Persian gurg, wolf. 5. P is sometimes replaced by F, e.g. asf, Persian asp, horse. 6 sometimes drops out when it is followed by another consonant. Basut, Persian. suchte, burnt. A few short sentences may be given in conclusion, without comment or comparison. I come, Atun. He is coming today, Iru Ati. We are coming, Hama Atima. You are coming tonight, Isha Atima. They are coming, Atanda. Come, let us go into the country. Burya Bashima Sahra, bring some oil here, Rukhan Urge Burya, take this and give it to him, Urgi butide, take the donkey, go and load it with earth, and come here, cha urgi Bar Ki Burya, throw down the blanket here and sit down, Pabe halim urpunu dumehuchin, sit here, Hakum unchis, I sat. He sat. Ochish, he came here. Bame ande, I have not gone there. Nige nashtima. It was day. Ruabu. My brother is ill. Dodo nasaza. Is your brother better? Ahwali dodo birhtara. It is seven Farsachs from here to Kashon. Ande tak Kashon haft Farsanga How far is it from here to there? Ande Anige Chanfarsanga, chan What is your name? Isma chechiga? What does he say? Ajichi? When do you go? Keashima? Whose is this house? No kia ani kia? Where do you belong to? To kiga egi? Whence comest thou? Ilki Gorate? korate? I come from Kamsar. Kamsar datun. How many days is it since you left? Chand ruga bashtei. It is ten days since I left. Da ruga bashtaun. This wood is burnt. Nachuga basut. The fire has gone out. Atash bamar. Abdullah is dead. Abdullah ba marda. Take the pillow and come and put it under my head. Balish urgi Burya ziri why art thou such an ass jiranandagar it has laid eggs dada. at last i asked my informants whose number had been greatly increased by additions from without what they said in their language for pidar sukhte burnt father the commonest term of abuse in persian baba they cried unanimously and with much relish but we have many other bad names beside that like baba bamar dead father and blank. here they poured forth a torrent of kohrudi objurgations which would probably have made me shudder if i had understood them as it was confusion being prevalent and supper ready haji safar turned them all out of the room that night snow fell heavily and i was surprised to see that the Kohrudis appeared to feel the cold though they were well wrapped up much more than any of us did in the morning there was a layer of snow on the ground nearly six inches deep and much more than this in the hollows luckily there had been but little wind else it might have gone hard with us as it was we had difficulty enough We were delayed in starting by the purchase of a quantity of yuz a kind of sweetmeat made with sugar and walnuts, in which, as it was a peculiar product of the place, Haji Safar advised me to invest. Then various people had to be rewarded for services rendered, amongst these my instructors of the previous night. The people were a grasping and discontented lot, and after i had given the man who had come to teach me the elements of kohrudi a present for himself and his son the latter came and declared that he had not got his share and that his father denied my having given him anything at last we got off accompanied by another larger caravan which had arrived before us on the preceding evening the path being completely concealed one of the muleteers walked in front sounding the depth of the snow with his staff at first we got on at a fair pace but as we advanced and continued to ascend it got worse and worse once or twice we strayed from the road and had to retrace our steps the last part of the climb which brought us to the summit of the pass was terrible work the muleteers lost the road entirely and after blundering about for a while decided to follow the course of the telegraph poles so far as this was possible in so doing notwithstanding the sounding of the snow we kept getting into drifts many of the baggage mules fell down and could not regain their feet till they had been unloaded and every time this happened the whole caravan was brought to a standstill till the load had been replaced the muleteers uttering loud shouts of ya allah ya ali and the women in the kajaves a sort of panniers sending forth piteous cries whenever the animals which bore them stumbled or seemed about to fall altogether it was a scene of the utmost confusion though not lacking in animation but the cold was too intense to allow me to take much interest in it after we had surmounted the pass things went somewhat better but we had been so much delayed during the ascent that it was nearly six p m and getting dusk before we reached the rather bleak-looking village of soh here also there is a telegraph office whither i directed my steps mr mcgowan who was in charge of the office was out when i arrived but i was kindly received by his wife an armenian lady and his little boy the latter appeared to me a very clever child he spoke not only english persian and armenian with great fluency but also the dialect of Soh, which is closely allied to if not identical with the kohrud vernacular his father soon came in accompanied by two armenian travellers one of whom was Dar-Cham-Bey, Who is well known over the greater part of persia for the assiduity with which he searches out and buys up walnut trees i often heard discussions amongst the persians as to what use these were put to and why any one found it worth while to give such large sums of money for them the general belief was that they were cut into thin slices and subjected to some process which made pictures come out in the wood these pictures being, in the opinion of many, representations of events that had occurred under the tree which had supplied the wood. I had a good deal of conversation with Dar though much less than I might have done had I been less overcome with somnolence induced by exposure to the cold. He had travelled over a great part of Persia, especially Luristan, which he most earnestly counselled me to avoid. The only people that I have seen worse than the Lurs, he said, are the Kashkais. for, though the former will usually rob you if they can, and would not hesitate to murder you if you refuse to give up your possessions to them, the latter, not content with this, will murder you even if you make no resistance, alleging that the world is well quit of one who is such a coward that he will not fight for his own. Next day's march was singularly dull and uneventful, as well as bitterly cold. I had expected a descent on this way of the pass, corresponding to the rapid ascent from Cashon to Kohrud, but I was mistaken. It even seemed to me that the difference in altitude between the summit of the pass and Soh was at any rate not much greater than between the former and Kohrud, while from Soh to our next halting place, Mudchechad, the road was, to all intents and purposes, level. At the latter place we arrived about 5 p.m. It is an unattractive village of no great size. Finding the caravanserai in bad repair, I put up at the post-house, where I could find little to amuse me, but two hungry-looking cats, which came and shared my supper at first with some diffidence but finally with complete assurance they were ungrateful beasts however for they not only left me abruptly as soon as supper was over but paid a predatory visit to my stores during the night and ate a considerable portion of what was intended to serve me for breakfast on the morrow the following day's march was a good deal more interesting soon after starting we saw three gazelles grazing not more than a hundred yards off the road the wind being towards us from them they allowed us to approach within a very short distance of them so that though i had no gun i was almost tempted to take a shot at them with my revolver a little farther on at a point where the road rising in a gentle incline passed between two low hills before taking a bend towards the east and descending into the great plain in which lies the once magnificent city of isfahan we came to the ruins of a little village amidst which stood a splendid though somewhat dismantled caravanserai of the safavi era concerning this one of the muleteers told me a strange story which for the credit of the kajar dynasty i hope was a fiction The Shah, he said, was once passing this spot, when his courtiers called his attention to the architectural beauty and incomparable solidity of this building. In the whole of Persia, they said, no caravanserai equal to this is to be found. Neither can anyone at the present day build the like of it. "'What?' exclaimed the Shah. "'Are none of the caravanserais which I have caused to be built as fine?' that shall be so no longer. Destroy this building which makes men think lightly of the edifices which I have reared. This command, if ever given, was carried out somewhat tenderly, for the destruction is limited to the porches, mouldings, turrets, and other less essential portions of the structure. But indeed to destroy the buildings reared by the Safavi kings would be no easy task, and could hardly be accomplished without gunpowder a little way beyond this we reached another ruined village where we halted for lunch we were now in the isfahan plain and could even discern the position of the city by the thin pall of blue smoke which hung over it and was thrown into relief by the dark mountains beyond to our left east was visible the edge of the dashti kavir which we had not seen since entering the kohrud pass its flat, glittering expanse was broken here and there by low ranges of black mountains thrown up from the plain into sharp rocky ridges to the right west were more hills amongst which lies the village of Najafabad, one of the strongholds of the Babis, resuming our march after a short halt, we passed several flourishing villages on either side, amongst them, and some distance to the east of the road. Gurgab, which is so celebrated for its melons and at about four p m reached our halting place gez i think we might without much difficulty have pushed on to isfahan which was now clearly visible at a distance of about ten miles ahead of us but the muleteers were natives of gez and naturally desired to avail themselves of the opportunity now afforded them for visiting their families personally i should have preferred making an attempt to reach the city that night for Gez is by no means an attractive spot and i could find no better occupation than to watch a row of about a dozen camels kneeling down in the caravanserai to receive their evening meal consisting of balls of dough nawali from the hands of their drivers later on khuda Bach, the second muleteer brought me a present pishkesh of a great bowl of mast curds and two chickens next day twentieth of february we got off about eight thirty khudabakhsh having received his present in am testified his gratitude by accompanying us as far as the outskirts of the village when i bade him farewell and dismissed him rahim assisted by a younger brother called Mahdi Kuli, whom he had brought with him from the village undertaking to convey us to isfahan i had while at teheran received a most kindly worded invitation from dr Hernler of the english church mission to take up my abode with him at the mission house during my stay in the city and as that was situated in the armenian quarter of julfa beyond the river zeyan da rud of hafiz the muleteers wished to proceed thither direct without entering the city alleging that the transit through the bazaars would be fraught with innumerable delays as however i was desirous of obtaining some idea of the general aspect of the city as soon as possible i requested them to do exactly the contrary to what they proposed videte to convey me to my destination through as large a portion of the bazaars as could conveniently be traversed this they finally consented to do during a portion of our way to the city we enjoyed the company of a mukhani bashi or professional maker of canats those subterranean aqueducts of which i have already spoken with whom i conversed for a time on the subject of his profession since i was very desirous to learn how it was possible for men possessed of but few instruments and those of the rudest kind to sink their shafts with such precision i cannot say however that my ideas on the subject were rendered much clearer by his explanations as we drew nearer to the city its numerous domes minarets and pigeon towers kaftar began to be clearly discernible and on all sides signs of cultivation increased we passed through many poppy fields where numbers of labourers were engaged in weeding the plants were of course quite small at this season for they are not ready to yield the opium till about a month after the nawruz i e about the end of april when this season arrives the poppy capsules are gashed or scored by means of an instrument composed of several sharp blades laid parallel this is done early in the morning and in the afternoon the juice which has exuded and dried is scraped off the crude opium yham, thus obtained is subsequently kneaded up purified dried and finally made into cylindrical rolls about half an inch or a third of an inch in diameter at length we entered the city by the gate called and were soon threading our way through the bazaars which struck me as very fine for not only are they lofty and spacious but the goods exposed for sale in the shops are for the most part of excellent quality the people are of a different type to the teheranis they are not as a rule very dark in complexion and have strongly marked features marred not infrequently by a rather forbidding expression though the average of good looks is certainly fairly high the character which they bear amongst other persians is not altogether enviable avarice and niggardliness being accounted their chief characteristics thus it is commonly said of any one who is very careful of his expenditure that he is as mean as the merchants of isfahan who put their cheese in a bottle and rub their bread on the outside to give it a flavor another illustration of this alleged stinginess is afforded by the story of an isfahani merchant who one day caught his apprentice eating his lunch of dry bread and gazing wistfully at the bottle containing the precious cheese whereupon he proceeded to scold the unfortunate youth roundly for his greediness asking him if he couldn't eat plain bread for one day nor have the poets failed to display their ill-nature towards the poor isfahanis as the following lines testify isfahan Janatist pur nipmat Daro nami bayad is a paradise full of luxuries there ought however to be no isfahanis in it at last, we emerged from the bazaars into the fine, spacious square called Meydan-i Shah. On our right hand, as we entered it, was the Ali Kapi, Supreme Gate, which is the palace of the Zilus Sultan, the Prince Governor of Isfahan, of whom I have already spoken. In front of us, at the other end of the square, was the magnificent mosque called Masjid-i Shah, surmounted by a mighty dome quitting the maidan at the angle between these residences of ecclesiastical and temporal power and traversing several tortuous streets we entered the fine spacious avenue called Chahar Bar, which is wide straight well-paved surrounded by noble buildings planted with rows of lofty plane trees and supplied with several handsome fountains this avenue must have been the pride of isfahan in the good old days of the safavis and is still calculated to awaken a feeling of deep admiration in the mind of the traveller but it has suffered considerably in later days not only by the state of dilapidation into which many of the buildings situated on its course have been allowed to fall but also by the loss of many noble plane trees which were cut down by the zilus sultan and sent to tehran to afford material for a palace which he was building there on reaching the end of the chahar Bag, we came in sight of the river zayandarud which separates the city of isfahan from the christian suburb of Julfa, this river though it serves only to convert into a swamp the gavkhani marsh a large area of the desert to the east is at isfahan as fine a stream as one could wish to see it is spanned by three bridges of which the lowest is called pule hasanabad the middle one pule si or si chashme the bridge of thirty-three arches and the upper one, Pul-e-Marun, all of them solidly and handsomely built. We crossed the river by the middle bridge, obtaining while doing so a good view of the wide, but now half-empty, channel, the pebbly sides of which were spread with fabrics of some kind, which had just been dyed, and were now drying in the sun the effect produced by the variegated colours of these seen at a little distance was as though the banks of the river were covered with flower-beds on the other side of the stream was another avenue closely resembling the chahabagh through which we had already passed and running in the same line as this and the bridge pidete towards the south this however we did not follow but turned sharply towards the right and soon entered julfa which is not situated exactly opposite to isfahan but somewhat higher up the river it is a large suburb divided into a number of different quarters communicating with one another by means of gates and traversed by narrow tortuous lanes planted with trees in many cases a stream of water runs down the middle of the road dividing it in two after passing through a number of these lanes we finally reached the mission house where i was met and cordially welcomed by dr hernler who though i had never seen him before received me with a genial greeting which at once made me feel at home dr bruce who had kindly written to him about me was still absent in europe so that all the work of the mission had now devolved on him and this in itself no small labour was materially increased by the medical aid which was continually required of him for dr hoenler was the only qualified practitioner in isfahan nevertheless he found time in the afternoon to take me to call on most of the european merchants resident in julfa and the cordial welcome which i received from these was alone necessary to complete the favourable impression produced on me by isfahan and of section 17